Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Greg Laurie Podcast, a ministry supported by Harvest Partners. I'm Greg Laurie, encouraging you. If you want to find out more about Harvest Ministries and learn more about how to become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to SoCal Harvest. I'm coming right here. <laughs> wow. Well, welcome back. It's great to finally be back in this stadium. Last year, of course, we weren't here because of COVID, but now we're back again with a vengeance to see what the Lord will do, right? So this is kind of the theme of tonight. It's back together again, all in person, in one big place. You know, it really doesn't matter where you are in the world. We're all basically the same. I read an interesting uh, statement by an expert who pointed out that Germans are lonely, the French are lonely, even the Scandinavians are lonely, and I thought they were supposed to be the happiest people on earth. All around the world, people are lonely. It's so bad in the United Kingdom that the British Prime Minister has appointed a minister of loneliness. And studies show that the loneliest people in the world are Americans. And the loneliest Americans are Generation Z. They're also the least healthy. And COVID has only made things worse. All the wrong things have been going up in the last months. Of course, self-harm is up 334%. Overdoses are up 119%. Anxiety is up 94%. Depression is up 84%. Alcohol use is up. Divorce is up. And it's because people are down. But Jesus said, look up because your redemption draws near. It's time to look up, people. We need God and we need each other. You see, we weren't meant to do life alone. We were built for friendship, built for community. The first thing that God said was not good was the aloneness of man. So that's what we're here to do, to be together and to point people to God. Our theme is the subject of faith. And we're sort of taking a look behind the curtain. Is it all that it's cracked up to be? We're gonna explore that together. Let me tell you a story, a true story. A genie appeared to a woman. It's a joke, okay, right? And the genie said, I will give you anything you want. I'll give you as many wishes as you want. The woman said, really, wow, okay. Okay, Jeannie, she said, my first wish is that my husband's eyes would be only on me and on no one else. And Jeannie said, okay, I can do that. What else? She said, well, I want my husband to not care about anything else in life but me. I want him to be obsessed with me. The Jeannie said, uh, all right. Anything else? She said, yes, I don't want him to go anywhere else or anywhere at all without me. He said, okay. And then she said, there's another one. When he wakes in the morning, I want to be the first thing he sees. And if I get scratched, I want him to freak out and be filled with grief. Okay, are you done? She said, I'm done. And poof, the genie turned her into a smartphone. 
Yeah. I read a headline from Inc. Magazine that made this statement. We lost the gadgets won. You know, smartphone use has gone up dramatically since this pandemic started. I read that the average smartphone user unlocks their phones 150 times a day. We spend around two hours a day on social media. And honestly, I think some people spend a whole lot more than that. 85% of smartphone users check their phones while speaking with friends and family. Why? What is it we're doing? We're looking at other people on Instagram, TikTok, maybe Facebook, looking at their lives. And many times we're thinking, I wish I had their life. Look at them, they're happy. Their teeth are really white. They have all that money. They have everything that I dream of. That has to be the answer. Or is it? Andy Warhol once said, quote, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. End quote. And that's pretty much come true, primarily because of social media. What is everyone's favorite form of photography today? Selfies. Selfies, right? And so many want to be rich and famous. And social media now is a platform where, to some degree, you can have your own version of fame as you grow your followers and more people are aware of what you're doing. But then there are other effects as well. Uh, take Twitter. I don't even know what Twitter is good for. I think Twitter is a place that people go to basically rant and insult, right? I read that Nicki Minaj says, I'll never go on Twitter again. It's a place where people say many, so many horrific things. I read about one social media influencer uh, who was on Instagram and had millions of followers. And she said, I've had enough. The negatives of being an influencer, influencer outweigh the positive. This role has done an immense amount of damage to me and my relationships. Facebook did an internal study among their folks who use their platform and they discovered that many of the people that use it have higher suicide and depression rates. What is going on? People want to be known. People want to have significance. People want to have their lives matter. We want to belong. We want to love. And we want to be loved. Now listen, there's all kinds of clubs you can join. You can join chess clubs. You can join country clubs. And in my case, you can join the Mickey Mouse Club. I was a member of that. But I want to tell you, there's one club you never want to join. And that's called the 27 Club. The 27 Club. This is made up of people who are well-known rock stars who died at the age of 27. Jimi Hendrix, he's in the 27 Club. Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, he's there too. Jim Morrison of the Doors, he's in the 27 Club, as is Janis Joplin. Others joined the club a little bit later, like Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse. And sadly, speaking of Amy Winehouse, she made this statement, fame is like terminal cancer. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, end quote. And then there are so many that have destroyed their lives through drugs and alcohol. The list just goes on and on. Whitney Houston, Heath Ledger, actor Philip Seymour Hoffman, Michael Jackson, Prince, Anna Nicole Smith, River Phoenix, Scott Weiland, Corey Monteith, Elvis Presley, John Belushi, Chris Farley. 
Chris Farley was on Saturday Night Live and he was an incredibly funny guy. But he had serious drug problems. Chris went to rehab 17 times. And Chris's hero was John Belushi, another uh, Saturday Night Live comedian who died of a drug overdose. And one of Chris's friends said to him once, Chris, you don't want to die like Belushi, do you? And Chris Farley said in response, oh yeah, that'd be really cool. And his friend said, I started crying and I wept for him. Tragically, both Belushi and Chris Farley died from a lethal overdose of heroin and cocaine. Yeah, drugs, alcohol, success, fame, if it really was the answer, why are there so many miserable, empty people who have all this stuff that many dream of and they've either overdosed or they've taken their own lives? Uh, EDM superstar Tim Bergling, better known as Avicii, he made it to the age of 28. He was at the top of his game, making millions of dollars. He had fame and money, but he took his own life. And think of all of the celebrities that have taken their own lives of late. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, Chester Bennington, Chris Cornell, Ernest Hemingway, designer Alexander McQueen, Michael Hutchins of In Excess, writer Hunter S. Thompson, designer Kate Spade. If fate and money were the answers, why do these people make such heartbreaking choices? According to his family, Avicii struggled with thoughts about meaning, life, and happiness. He felt like he couldn't go on any longer. He just wanted to find peace. Does that describe someone that's here right now? Does that describe you? Are you just looking for peace? Have you tried to find it in a bottle? Have you tried to find it in a drug? Have you tried to find it in a relationship? Have you tried to find it in success? or a career, or possessions. Listen, have you even tried to find it in religion? If so, you're gonna come up empty. You might say, Greg, what are you talking about? This is religious, right? No, this event has nothing to do with religion. This is about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Big difference. And that's what I'm gonna talk to you about in just a few moments. You know, my wife likes puzzles. I don't know why she likes puzzles. I, I could care less about puzzles. And if we're walking by a table that has a puzzle on it, she'll stop and start putting it together and I'll just keep walking. Well, the other day she was putting a puzzle together downstairs, I was upstairs. And after a couple of hours she yells, Greg, Greg, help me. I've almost finished the puzzle but there's one missing piece and I can't find it. So I came downstairs and got on my hands and knees and we searched and finally under the chair I found the missing piece. Life can be that way. We do all the things we think we should do. We have all of our ducks in a row. We have all the boxes checked but we're still empty. We're still lonely. We're still filled with fear and anxiety. So what is missing? It's not a something, it's a someone. You need God in your life. You need Jesus in your life. The title of my message is What You're Really Looking For. What You're Really Looking For. You know, sooner or later, everybody gets around to asking the big questions of life, such as, what is the meaning of my life? Why am I here on this earth? Why do I exist? 
And what should my purpose in life be? And that's because as human beings, we all have a desire to make a mark, to achieve something. We want our lives to count for something greater than ourselves. And that's because God wired us that way. We're pre-wired for something more. It goes back to your childhood. You're always wanting that something more. <laughs> when you're a little kid, it's a, maybe a toy. Then you get a little older and it changes. What is that expression? The only difference between men and boys is the price of their toys, right? Oh, this relationship will do it, we think. Oh, this degree might do it. Or maybe this house will do it. Or this experience, or whatever it is. And we seek and we search. And that's why people seek after fame. They're saying, I want to be noticed. Listen, you are noticed. You're noticed by God. You're loved by God. And your life can have significance. The Bible says God has put eternity in our hearts. I'll tell you what that is deep down inside of you. You're yearning for God. That's really what you want. You may not have known that. It's God that you're really looking for. We found where you shouldn't look. We heard from rock star Alice Cooper, my friend Daryl Strawberry. They talked about how empty those things were. So where do you find it? The answer is 2,000 years old. And guess where you find the answer? You find it in this book called The Bible. The Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. This is the user's manual of life you've been looking for. People are searching everywhere, probably somewhere in their house. There's a dust-colored Bible, dust-covered Bible, waiting to be opened with the answers. I want to tell you a Bible story. Who wants to hear a Bible story? Raise your hand. <laughs> hey, you know what's really cool? For the first time in a Harvest Crusade, I can actually see the people I'm talking to because I'm a little bit closer than normal. This is a story of a wealthy, affluent man. He's often referred to as the rich young ruler. So to be a ruler back in biblical times, you had to be at least 30. So he's young. So he's in his young 30s. He's affluent, probably has a BMW chariot. He comes to Jesus. He's holding a lavender, low-fat oat milk latte. What is with the lavender latte? Where did that come from? Lavender latte, seriously, I was with a guy the other day. I won't say his name, Ben. And we're ordering lattes. I said, I'll have a cappuccino. Someone else says, I'll have a black coffee. And Ben says, I'll have a lavender low-fat oat milk latte. I'm like, seriously, dude? He, he drank it. He enjoyed it. So Jesus and this affluent young man have a conversation. What Jesus says to this young man still applies to young men and young women today. Applies to all people today. It's found in Matthew 19. We read these words. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, why do you ask me? What is good? Only God is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And the young man said, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not testify falsely or lie, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, 
I've obeyed all of these commandments. What else must I do? All right, Jesus said. I want you to sell everything that you have, give the money to the poor, you know, have treasure in heaven, and then you can come and follow me. Listen to this. When that young man heard that, he went away sad because he had many possessions. So I'll stop there. So something was missing in this life. He says, where can I find eternal life? What do I need to do to get eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. Now why did Jesus point this young man to the 10 commandments? Because by keeping the commandments, you can get closer to God? No, au contraire. That's French for snails with garlic. No, that's escargot, excuse me. No, that's not it at all. Actually, to find eternal life, you have to believe in Jesus. But Jesus said, check out the commandments because the 10 commandments weren't given to make me righteous. They were given to show me how messed up I am. They were given to show me I need God. The 10 commandments, what are they? Have no other gods before him. Don't make any graven images. Honor your father and mother. Don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery. The list goes on. And every one of us in this place right now and everyone watching and listening has broken the commandments. There are some listening that may have broken all of the commandments, even murder. Don't say you're one of those people that have freak out people around you, okay? But I wanna tell you this. Even if you killed someone, God would forgive you. See, there was a thief on the cross. Remember when Jesus was crucified? There was a man on each side of him. We call them the thieves. The word in the Greek speaks of a serious criminal. So he was probably a murderer, guilty of a capital crime. So here's Jesus hanging on the cross and Christ says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His first statement from the cross of Calvary. This man turns to Jesus, this criminal, probably what the Romans would consider a terrorist, says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen to me. No matter what sin you have committed, God will forgive you tonight if you'll ask for his forgiveness. Notice Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. How long does it take to become a Christian? You know, sometimes people say, I'm in the process of converting. In the process? You're either a believer or you're not a believer. It doesn't take years to become a Christian. It doesn't take months to become a Christian. It doesn't take days. It doesn't even take hours. You can believe in Jesus just like that. It's happened for some of you already. You just have started to believe. And this young man said to Jesus, I've kept all of these commandments ever since I've been a young boy. And I love what the Bible says. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It would have made more sense if we read, Jesus looked at him and smacked him. Said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you have not. And there might be somebody here that says, uh, I've kept all the commandments. I live by the 10 commandments. Oh yeah, what are they? Uh, I'm not sure, but I do keep them. I read recently that a, a survey was done and more people knew the names of the four Beatles than the commandments given by God for Mount Sinai. John Paul, George Ringo, they know that. But they don't know these commandments. We've all broken the commandments. 
but God loved this young man, and God loves you. I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you, a God in heaven who has a plan for your life, a God in heaven who longs for a relationship with you. What is God like? Jesus told a story that's often called the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story of a father who had two sons. I'm a father, I have two sons. And one of his sons ran away from home. Loose paraphrase, he said, Dad, I'm tired of all your rules and regulations. I wanna just live my life. And he left, and he had a lot of money. And when he hit town, he had a lot of new friends too. But as soon as the money ran out, the friends ran out with it. And one day that boy had an epiphany, and he realized, this sucks. This life is miserable. I had it better back home with dad. So the boy said, I'm gonna go home to my father and I'm gonna say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just give me a job like one of the hired hands. And the father, seeing that boy a great way off, got up and ran to the boy and threw his arms around him and kissed him again and again and said, let's have a party. Break out the barbecue. This my son who was dead is alive again. He who was lost is found. And they rejoiced. So what is this about? This is a picture of God. We're like the prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. We walk away from God. We don't want to live by what the Bible says. We realize how empty life is without him. So you say, how would God react if I came to him tonight? He would welcome you with open arms and say, welcome home daughter, welcome home son. Well, this kid, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't want to give up anything. Now, by the way, Jesus never told any other person to get rid of all their stuff. He just said it to this guy. And I think it's because this young man was possessed by possessions. That was in effect his God. That's what Jesus said to him. But sometimes people ask the question, if I become a Christian, will I have to give anything up? I'm gonna be honest with you. The answer is yes. Yes, give up your emptiness and replace it with fulfillment. Give up your misery and replace it with forgiveness. Give up hell and trade it for heaven. That's God's trade-in deal and it's here for you. Yes, there is an afterlife. And according to the Bible, there are two destinations in the afterlife, heaven or hell. Some of you are saying, you know, I, I kind of liked everything until you said hell. How could a God of love send someone to hell? Listen to me, God doesn't send anyone to hell. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and absorb God's judgment in your place so you don't have to go there, you see? If you end up in hell, you'll have no one to blame but yourself on that final day. You'll have to practically climb over Jesus to get there. C.S. Lewis, the great writer once said, and I quote, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. See, we have to make a choice. You choose in this life where you will spend the afterlife. You choose in this life if you wanna find meaning and purpose in life, or if you don't, you choose in this life if you wanna to go to heaven or if you wanna to go to hell. I know some of you have come here with skepticism, and I'm glad you came, quite frankly. And I'll tell you, when I first was exposed to the gospel. That's what I'm sharing with you. This is called the gospel, which means good news. The first time I heard it, I thought it can't be true. 
I was 17 years old. This is 10 years ago. Plus 40 more. It's literally over 50 years ago. I'm 17 years old. I'm in high school. I'm using drugs. I'm throwing my life away. I'm making a lot of bad decisions. And the Jesus movement was happening. We talked about that a few moments ago. And all these young people were talking about Jesus and, and carrying Bibles around. And I thought, these Christians, these Jesus freaks are crazy. They're like one taco short of a combination plate. There's something not right in their heads. And one day I went to one of their meetings. It was on the front lawn of my high school campus where they're having a little Bible study. They're singing their little songs about God. And I'm sitting at a distance. I'm thinking, look how pathetic they are. Look how deranged they are. Look at how happy they are. And then I just tried a thought on first size. And the thought was this, what if they're right? What if Jesus is real? What if I could have all of my sin forgiven? And I quickly dismissed it and I thought, no, that can't be true. But then I thought about my own life, though I was only 17. I was raised in the home of an alcoholic woman, my mother, who was married and divorced seven times. I'd seen the alcoholic-fueled, affluent lifestyle that she lived. I knew that wasn't the answer. I'd already dabbled in drugs myself. I knew that wasn't the answer. Where was the answer? Could it be this, Jesus? And a guy got up to speak, his name was Lonnie, and I don't remember most of what he said, but he made one statement. He said, Jesus said, you're for me or you're against me. I looked around at the Christians, I thought, well, I'm not one of them. Does that mean I'm against Jesus? I mean, I've always believed Jesus was out there somewhere. He was my God of choice in times of crisis. I'd seen all of his movies, but no Jesus? And then he said, if you want to believe in Jesus, get up right now and walk forward. And some kids got up and walked forward. And I thought, there's no way I could do it. I had my hair hanging in my eyes. Use your imagination. <laughs> I thought, no way. Couldn't do it. Never. Next thing I knew, I'm standing up there praying with these other kids. And that was the day that Christ came into my life. And that was the greatest day of my life. And this can be your night when you come to Christ. So you might ask, well, what, what is the meaning of life? You raise that question. The meaning of life is to know the God who created you and start a friendship with him and discover the plan that he has for you. Why are you here on this earth? You're here to walk with the Lord and it will give you purpose and hope in this life and hope for the afterlife. So maybe you would ask, well, what do I need to do? How can I believe in Jesus? Okay, if you haven't listened to anything else I've said, listen to this. Number one, to have your sin forgiven, you need to realize you're a sinner. <laughs> yes, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. What does the word sin mean? It means to cross a line. So I've got a little line right here. This is the edge of this little stage. If I cross this line, that's not gonna be good. And so when you cross the line, you break a commandment. We talked about the 10 commandments. You've sinned. Have you ever told a lie? Never told a lie. You're lying right now, sucker, right? You've told lies. We've all told lies. 
Have you ever hated someone? Have you ever had lust in your heart? Have you ever stolen anything? Everyone has broken these commandments. And the Bible says if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. So just own it, accept it, stop excusing it. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. But then realize this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for you. The Bible says, why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Look at the front of that stage behind me, right there, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes of the Father but by me. He is the way to the Father. That's how it works. Coming back to that young man, that rich young ruler, his question. What good thing must I do to have eternal life? Listen, there is no good thing you can do to have eternal life. You'll always fall short. Sometimes people think if I live a good life, maybe I'll get to heaven. No matter how good of a life you live, you'll never be good enough to get to heaven. But listen to this, heaven is not for good people, heaven is for forgiven people. And you can be forgiven of all of your sin, right here, right now. Eternal life is a gift from God. So if someone gets you a gift, and you really want the gift, what do you do? You open the gift. I love the way women open gifts and men open gifts. It's very different. When you give a gift to a woman, because they're civilized. They'll actually read the card you give them first. They'll read it. They might even be touched by what you wrote. I, we gave a little birthday gift to someone the other day and she, oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Then they'll carefully undo the ribbon. They might even say, I'm gonna save this ribbon for later. Oh, great. They'll undo the wrapping paper and be delighted by the gift. That's a woman opening a gift. Give a gift to a man. He opens a card, he's not reading it. He just opened it to see if there's money or a gift card in there. <laughs> Wrapping paper, a mere obstacle to a man. Plow through it, right? I don't care how you open the gift. God's offering you a gift tonight. Just reach out, take it, open it, enjoy it. It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to get it. You don't deserve it, but it's a gift to you. Then you must repent of your sin. See, this is what the rich young ruler was unwilling to do. He would not turn from his sin. But the Bible says, God has commanded people everywhere to repent. What does that even mean? To repent means to change your direction. It's sort of like a military term, where it means like an about face, right? So I've been going away from God, now I'm going toward God. Repent of your sin, then you receive Christ into your life. That's what it's all about. Being a Christian is having Jesus himself come and live inside of you. You don't have to be alone anymore. You can leave here with Christ in your life tonight, knowing that you'll go to heaven when you die. You folks that are watching, Christ can come into your life. You that are listening on radio, you can do the same. The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God and daughters of God. 
Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And then finally, you must do it publicly. That is why in a moment I'm gonna ask you to do what some 500,000 people have done, half a million people over the last 31 years. I'm gonna ask you in a moment to get up out of your seat and come down to this field behind the stage. And by doing so, you're publicly saying, I want Jesus in my life. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want this relationship with God you're talking about. You need to do it tonight. Back in 2016, a young man named Karim Nakui came to our crusade. His father brought him and other members of his family. And his dad was so excited that his son and other members of the family came to Christ that night. Again, 2016. Kareem went on to become a Marine and he was serving our nation over in Afghanistan. Tragically, he was one of the 13 service members that died in that terrorist attack. Kareem spent the last few moments of his life getting people to safety and his last gesture was to reach out to a small child to get her safely away and then he died. But Kareem went to heaven because he put his faith in Christ and that's the hope that the Christian has. He's a true American hero. The motto of the Marine Corps is Semper Fi, always faithful. He was faithful to the end. He had faith in Christ. Do you have faith in Christ? What if you died tonight? Where would you go? That can be settled right here, right now. So you need to do it publicly. One last thing and I'm done. You need to do it now. Now. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. Tonight is your night. Earlier this evening I said you have an appointment with God. Now it's up to you to keep the appointment with God. So in a moment I'm gonna pray. And I'm gonna extend this invitation for you to have your life changed. I love it when it rains, don't you? Because after it rains, even people that don't wash their cars get a car wash. Everything's clean. Maybe a rainbow comes out. I love rainbows. That's what happens when you believe in Jesus. It's like the rain, it just washes all your sin away, washes all your guilt away, washes all of your despair away. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is an altogether different kind of person. Old things have passed away, everything becomes fresh and new. Listen to this. You're not too young to come to Jesus Christ tonight. If you've understood me, if you've understood what I'm saying, you can come. You're not too old to come to Christ tonight. No matter what you've done, God can forgive you. You're not too bad to come to Christ. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, he that would come to me, I would in no way turn away. But you're not too good to come to Christ. Everybody needs Jesus. You might say, well, Greg, I have a lot of sin. You come with your sin. You come with your problems. You come just as you are to Jesus Christ tonight. You know, we may never have another moment like this right now. Who would have ever thought that last year, after 30 years of meeting, we wouldn't be in this stadium, but we weren't here. 
but we're here again. What if this were our last crusade? I don't know. What if this were your last opportunity to come to Jesus? And you said, well, maybe next time. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I don't know. What would my friends think if I became a Christian? Check this out. You wanna find out who your really real friends are? Believe in Jesus and you'll know quickly, right? And if, if your friends don't support you believing in Jesus, time to get some new friends, right? Don't be held back. That young man, that rich young ruler was held back by stuff. Somebody else might be held back by relationships. Oh man, my girlfriend would break up with me. My boyfriend would dump me. Oh, my friends wouldn't wanna be around me anymore. Oh, whatever, who cares? Don't worry so much about what people think. Think about what God thinks, right? Because one day, listen, one day you will stand before God Almighty. You'll be all by yourself. You won't be with your buddies. You won't be with anybody. And God will have one question for you. It will be, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? It won't be a sin question. It'll be a son question, S-O-N. What did you do with the Son of God? Listen, God has dropped one lifeline from heaven for us to be forgiven of our sins, and it's Jesus and only Jesus. He's here to forgive you now, but you must come. You can pray this same prayer with me, and you that are listening on radio around the nation, you can pray this same prayer too. So pray this after me. Let's all bow our heads. Pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross and rose from the dead. I turn from my sin tonight. I choose to follow you now as my Savior and my Lord, as my God and my friend. Thank you for hearing this prayer in answering this prayer, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Whoa. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Harvest Ministries, follow this show and consider supporting it. Just go to harvest.org. And to find out how to know God personally, go to harvest.org and click on no God.